Welcome to the Alliance Podcast, Continuing Conversations. My name is Morgan Mangara, Content Manager for the Almanac, the online publication for the Alliance. In this episode, Alliance Executive Director Kathleen Weiss sits down with Board of Directors President Rebecca DeVivo and Director Ann Lichty to celebrate women in continuing professional development. If you like what you hear today, subscribe or leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello, and welcome to episode 12 of the Alliance podcast, Continuing Conversations. I'm Kathleen Weiss, Executive Director of the Alliance for Continuing Education in the Health Professions. March is Women's History Month, and today I'm sitting down with two Alliance board members, President Rebecca DeVivo and Director Ann Lichty, to celebrate women in continuing professional development. We'll discuss what defines a good leader, advice for women in the industry, who and what inspire our guests, and how the Alliance supports women in continuing professional development. Rebecca and Anne, welcome to the Alliance podcast. Thank you. It's great to be here. Before we start diving into our discussion, tell our listeners a little bit about yourselves, your career in CPD, and your leadership roles within the Alliance. Rebecca, would you like to start? Sure. Thanks, Kathleen. Well, I started at the American Medical Association as the Director of Continuing Physician Professional Development. That was back in 2003. Eek, I do not like to think about that. (laughs) But at the time, I actually barely knew how to spell CME. So I was definitely thrown into the deep end since, you know, the AMA is the owner of the credit system. And it's probably good to know how to spell CME when you're in that situation. So I immediately went to the Alliance Basics Workshop. I immediately went to the ACCME Workshop. And soon after the annual conference from the Alliance, and it was really such a great group of people and such a welcoming group of people that really drew me into the world of CPD and the Alliance, which was wonderful. And so from there, I just, I started joining committees. I started doing presentations and, and I sort of worked my way up through the ranks in the Alliance. Sort of at the same time, I worked my way up in my own career. I moved on from the AMA to a specialty society and was a director of education there and moved up until I was, you know, eventually the chief learning officer. And now I'm the associate executive director at my current job. So it's really been quite a journey and the Alliance has been a big part of it. Thanks, Rebecca. And how about you? You want to tell us your story? Well, like Rebecca, I've been in CPD for longer than I want to admit. I started in 2001, I was working for a, uh, a multi-accredited uh, medical education company in New York City. And fun fact, one of the first conferences I went to was uh, an ACCME new providers workshop. And I met Rebecca DeVivo, who explained to me the credit system. I'm like, that's what AMA credit is. Oh, okay. And she was really welcoming and very positive and sat me down and said, listen, this is, this is what this means. Here's some additional resources. If you ever have any questions, here's my card, um, contact me. So it was a, a really great experience. And uh, Rebecca has continued to, to serve as a, uh, a mentor for me um, as I've continued this, uh, this career in 20 years. I remember being super intimidated to go to my first alliance meeting because I was also presenting as a, you know, first time attendee and a presenter, but everybody was very, very welcoming, very supportive. And, you know, that, that to me has really helped shape my career and fostered a sense of 
wanting to volunteer, wanting to, wanting to give back, wanting to be more involved with the Alliance. And like Rebecca, I started joining committees. Um, I started with um, the, my member section and then anything from, you know, volunteering at, uh, in the Alliance booth at the conferences um, and getting credentialed and then the rest is history. And I continued like Rebecca to move in, uh, move up in my career. I am now the, um, the vice president of outcomes accreditation and compliance for physicians education resource and pharmacy times continuing education. And they are both part of MJH life sciences. Excellent. Thank you guys. You both have, we'll just say that experience in the field. We won't, we won't go, we won't go into years. We'll just kind of leave that general. That's probably kinder. Although it's amazing to think that's such an amazing story. And thanks for sharing that because it shows how long we can cross paths together. Very cool. It is a small world. So as leaders in your profession and within the Alliance, you know a thing or two about what it takes to be a good leader. So in your opinion, what defines a good leader? What are some of those characteristics that you would say would help you to succeed in a leadership role? Well, I think it was President Truman who said that leaders are readers, and I would say leaders are listeners. Curious by nature, wanting to solve problems, but also want to, wanting to help others solve problems. Typically, uh, good leaders will surround themselves with the smartest people in the room and not be afraid to say, I'm not the expert here, but you know, I can, I can point you in, in the direction of somebody else who has that expertise. I actually have a lot of similar themes in, in how I was thinking about it, because I could probably talk about this topic for an hour all by itself. Uh, and I've been really lucky to have good mentors along the way. So I've learned a lot from other people. I think something that I really admire and try to pursue as a leader is, is setting other people up for success and really trying to learn what people enjoy and also what they're good at so that you're putting them in a role where they can really thrive. And I think if you can do that, then you're so far down the path to getting to where you want to be because everybody succeeds more if they do it together. And I think people enjoy it more if they do it together. So I like to do that. I think it takes some humility and it takes some trust and a willingness to let people fail and grow from the experience. And then it's a willingness to let other people shine and take credit also, which uh, I think is, is really important. But Really, as a leader, if you surround yourself with the best people and people who know things that you don't know and you have the humility to recognize that and lift that up, really, I think it comes out making everybody look so good. And you also really get to accomplish your goals that way. So that's something that I really look forward to when I'm working with people. The Alliance is introducing a new way for you to gain the CPD education you need in an all new flexible format with the Alliance Experience, you can attend Alliance Learning Labs, Alliance Connect, and access Alliance Annual Conference recordings on demand. Learn more and register at acehp.org. Moving forward to talk a little bit about your careers as women in leadership roles, have you experienced barriers as you've risen through the ranks and how have you overcome them? I don't know if I would say barriers, there's just always challenges. And so I think particularly when you're young and when you're starting out, you know, it can be a little 
tricky to find your voice and to be and to be assertive without you know people thinking that you're too assertive right so it's being able to say no this is you know this is my opinion and this is why i have this opinion and you know uh, still be welcoming to 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 other viewpoints but particularly if you're starting something that's you know that maybe you haven't done before so for me it was um it was writing so it was developing articles and and submitting them and i had never done that before and i was encouraged to do that and you know i had a i had a supervisor at the time who you know was not particularly sure if that was you know what he wanted me to do but i you know i i think as women sometimes it's it's it can be a little bit challenging to be comfortable with saying no this is you know i think this is something that is going to benefit a lot of people <laughs> there are other people who are asking me to do this and i wouldn't do it if i you know if i didn't think that um, it was going to be something positive and beneficial and and being able to 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 be assertive and say I appreciate your concern, but I'm gonna I'm gonna do this. I'm I'm gonna keep you informed so that you know you 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 see what's going on along the way. But uh, I I I think that that's that's often a, a challenge that that women face is being able to be assertive. I think that's so true, and and I think there's finding your voice in terms of confidence, and I think something that women particularly face is how to literally have a voice that people will listen to without being turned off by. And I don't think that's something that men necessarily experience the same way that women do. It's becoming less, but I, I do think that's something that we that we face as women. It's interesting, you know, in my career, I, you know, I grew up as one of the guys and I, that's all how I was in high school, it's how I was in college. So I didn't really think of myself as sort of a woman in the professional setting for a lot of my career. And it, it was probably maybe five or 10 years ago, where I really started talking to other women and thinking about it more and probably more in retrospect, noticing certain things that weren't really barriers, but were definitely a different experience as a woman in the field. You know, I, especially working for a physician organization is a lot of male dominated volunteer pools. So a lot of uh, men who are board members, a lot of men who are my committee chairs. And, you know, there's definitely the experiences of somebody being a little bit too affectionate or suggesting that I will respond emotionally in a professional setting or treating my male staff differently than they treat me, you know, a little bit more jovial and a little bit more joking around because they're a guy and not, uh, you know, a woman like me. And that's something that I really started to pay a lot more attention to as I got older. And so I don't think it's been a barrier, but I, I do wonder sometimes where my career would be if I were a man. You know, I think it's it's interesting to think about sometimes. And I think when I do think about barriers, I think they've been self-imposed. I think sort of a little bit to what Anne was saying, I think confidence is something that I really had to go out of my comfort zone to push myself to be confident. And I remember reading this article once about how women who are applying for a job, when they look at the list of requirements for the job, if they don't meet all of them, they will not apply. Whereas men, if they meet one of them, they will apply. And a lot of times you look at the job because of that, right? I think that is a fundamental difference. And I realized it was very true about myself. Whenever I looked at a job, I, literally when I looked at a job requirement, that's what I would look at. And if I didn't meet all of them, I wouldn't apply. And so I, some of it was just, a lot of it for me has been growing into who I am as a professional and having the confidence and 
and going out my out of my comfort zone and, and sort of promoting myself in a way that doesn't feel natural to me. Um, so I think that's something that I feel like is part of being a woman in this professional field. So something that you both mentioned is finding your voice and, and being assertive. So there always seems to be this double standard for women. You can be assertive, but then not aggressive. You can be confident, but not arrogant. You can be forceful, but not pushy. So how, how do you balance that double standard? And what would you tell to women who are just becoming leaders themselves and how they could help deal with that as well? What advice would you give? It's a tough one. I, I think it's a really tough one. And I think I've definitely gone too far in one direction and had to pull it back, you know, um, but I think, I, I guess the way that I try to think about it now is not so much about male, female, as much as who is my audience and tailoring any message I have to that audience, but more importantly, knowing what I'm talking about and having confidence in it and, and putting it out there. And as long as you do it in a respectful and professional way, I think that's the important thing. And I'm worrying less about the tone a little bit as I get older, but it takes some practice. It, it takes some practice to put things out there in a confident way that doesn't turn people off. I, you know, it's, I think it is a reality of, of what we do, but I would rather put too much out there and scale it back than not speak up at all or not speak up enough. How about you, Anne? I think my approach is, it can be a little bit different. So I think about, listening more than I, I'm trying to speak. So I wanna, I'm, I'm always trying to read the room and saying to myself, well, is this something that really I need to say? Or is there somebody else who might be saying it a little bit more eloquently than I am? And if you're, you know, for people who are, we're kind of new and and just getting started. I mean, it's don't don't necessarily be afraid to to speak up, speak your mind, what you're thinking. Probably somebody else is already thinking and might be afraid to say it. So, to Rebecca's point, it's it's a balance between. All right, am I the am I the person who needs to you know to be out in front saying that, or could somebody else? you know, share a, a, a viewpoint um, that might resonate with the audience a little bit better. Just say, it's interesting you say that, Anne, because I see you as somebody who is very good at speaking your mind and doing it in a very proactive way, um, which I really appreciate about you. And I think it's why you are such a good leader. Thank you, Rebecca. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. It's true. Very kind yeah. of you to say. I, I had a, a former boss who used to say that leadership is not a spectator sport. You have to be in it in order to do it. So um, you have to get your hands dirty, right? Like what you hear on the Alliance podcast? Visit almanac.acehp.org to read the latest continuing professional development news and insights. Visit today to get informed and inspired. Switching gears a little bit to talking about moments of your career that you're most proud of. So is there something that really sticks out in your mind that you'd like to share? I've probably had two big moments in my career. One was at my previous position 
where I started out as a director of education for the American Society of Gastrointestinal Endoscopy. And six months into my job, I was asked to write a business plan for a $20 million training facility, which I needed a lot of help with from the finance people. But uh, really, in terms of doing the research, putting the plan together was one thing which I was proud of. But actually, then the economy crashed, and then we had to redo it, and we had to get approved by the board seven times. And several years later, that building was built. And I have to say that when we had the open house for that building that I helped to plan and design was a pretty monumental professional achievement that I probably won't forget anytime soon. But the interesting thing is, the other thing that immediately came to mind was actually becoming president of the Alliance, because I think there's something different about moving up among your peers that is different than moving up professionally. And to me, that is possibly the highest compliment that you can be paid. Uh, within the field. So that definitely is up there for me in terms of something that I'm very proud of. Great. In my current role, I've been, I continue to be really privileged to lead a young team. The majority of them uh, are women and they, like me, fell into this, fell into this career and fell into this industry. And it's been really the, the thrill of a lifetime to watch them grow and develop their skills as young leaders and as leaders of others and managers of others and watching women who are passionate about this industry, who are passionate about CPD, who are passionate about outcomes, which is a, is a niche and, and showcasing the value of education uh, through outcomes and data. That's, you know, that's not a, a, an easy, an easy task. And they, they bring such, such poise and grace and grit to the job every day. And it's, and it really is just thrilling to, to watch them work and to learn so much from them. Their, their styles are very different than my own. And so I, I really enjoy that. I really enjoy the dynamic of, 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 being part of that that team. The other uh, moment that comes to mind is um, when I first became credentialed and, and earned my CHCP credential. I think at the time it was a CCMEP credential. And I, th- I think it was a great moment just for our industry that there was um, a, a validated pathway to, to demonstrating our, our competence with with, uh, with, with an industry or career that people don't really understand. Like, what is that? What is it that you do? But it's, you know, now we, um, now we have this, this pathway that, um, that others can, can follow. And so I was, I was really proud to be part of one of the inaugural classes that, that received that credential. You know what? I'm very proud of my CHCP too. So I'm glad you said that, Anne. I can't claim to be part of the inaugural class. I was late to the game. Because I was scared, but <laughs> no judgment, Rebecca. As long as you got there, doesn't matter there when eventually. you got there. How you just you got there? There you go. I did, and I am proud of it. So I'm glad you mentioned that. With that CPD, so I've I've had the pleasure of working both of you um, on the board of directors, um, and I know you both to be passionate and dedicated members to the industry. So why why do you do what you do? What motivates you? What inspires you? What is your why? I'm a patient first. I think that's probably the the simplest answer. The work that we do collectively in this industry 
helps all patients. And I don't lose sight of that. I want my clinical team and the clinical team who is um, treating my friends, my family, my, my colleagues, the population uh, at large in, in the, the best way possible and to have the, the best education, the best information, the right time. That, that's ultimately what we're, what we're doing as, a, as an industry. You know, we're, we're helping our clinical team deliver the best care that they can to all of us. And so that's what, that's what continues to drive me. That's, what's, that's been a passion of mine for 20 years. Before I came into uh, CPD, I worked in clinical research. And so there are lots of drugs on the market today that uh, I can proudly say, well, I had a hand in developing that new drug application and getting that submitted to the FDA. So uh, it's, it's, a, it's a really, it's a wonderful, wonderful field to be in. And, and I'm extremely proud of the work that, uh, that we all do collectively. Ian's answer is so much better than mine. <laughs> I, I, it's really true. I think everything, I agree with everything she said. You know, my background's in social work and public health. So in that respect, I was always looking for sort of a, something that would be a greater good and something to further the healthcare field. And I think what we do is certainly something that is really integral to that. But when I think about what really inspires me and keeps me in this field from day to day, because, you know, I think there are so many fields with a lot of greater good that people burn out and they can't stay in it. And there are a lot of reasons that they don't. And, and part of the reason why I do stay in this one is, is because the people are so great. And I know we keep saying it, but every my staff is amazing. I've had so many amazing mentors. I think the colleagues and the and collegiality we have among colleagues is really unique to our field and something that I think has kept me engaged and really enjoying the work for so long. And I find that inspiring and, and something that keeps me going even during really hard times like we've had in the last year. So in the day to day, that's, I think, what really keeps me going. Awesome. Um, so, Anne, you had mentioned when we first started talking that Rebecca was a mentor to you in helping you understand the, the, the alliance and, and the business itself of C, CME. So, have you been mentored by others and have you mentored others? Have you paid it forward? Yes to both. I've absolutely been mentored by many, many people and continue to be mentored by lots of very talented, talented individuals. I can think when I first started and I, and, and I had an interesting dinner with Sue Pelletier at medical meetings and we were just talking and I didn't, I really didn't put two and two together. And then finally I'm like, oh my gosh, you're Sue from medical meetings? I said, yes, <laughs> I have been the whole night. <laughs> and I really, I, I, I loved her honesty. She encouraged me to submit some ideas um, when I was talking to her one-on-one. -on -one. I said, oh, this would be a great article. She said, yes, okay, why don't you said, send me some, some topics. And I did. And she said, oh, this would be great. And I think you should write these, these articles. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm brand new. And why would you want me to do that? <laughs> and I've, I don't really think I have anything to say. And she said, you have a lot to say. And because you're new, 
it's a different perspective and we haven't necessarily heard that. So I was, you know, I continue to be extremely grateful to, uh, to both Sue and also Tamara Hosansky um, for their editorial support, for their moral support, um, for helping me uh, find my voice and, and to do so in a, in a professional, uh, professional manner. So um, that, that's been a great mentoring experience. I've had really good bosses who just said, this is how you do it. People like Rebecca who said, this is how you do it. <laughs> Don't have to be uh, intimidated. People who encouraged me to, uh, to present or who developed ideas and bounced them off me and said, what do you think? And I'm like, oh, I think this is great. I think you should go for it. The Alliance Annual Conference is, um, has had a, uh, a formal mentor-mentee program. I was a mentee for many, many years. And uh, I also have been a mentor as well. And I think one of the, the moments I'm really most proud of is when I was able to uh, encourage a mentee to develop an article. And I was the interviewer. So I didn't really do a lot of the writing. I had the easy part, but it was really great to, to watch somebody who was my mentee developing an article. And then we worked with another woman and we had been to her workshop and I, we thought her workshop was great. And so the, the three of us collaborated a, on an article together. So that was, that's been a, a really rewarding experience. And it's always great to watch you know, people who have been in the mentee mentor program just do so many incredible things in their career. So it's, it's, um, it's rewarding all around. I totally agree. I think I have been so fortunate to have the mentors that I've had in my career. And I think there are two kinds of mentorship because I think I've had bosses who have been really direct mentors who have guided me along the path, encouraged me to do things. I think, I don't, I think there's actually a term for it, but I call it more of a passive mentorship where I think there are people that are mentors without even knowing that they're mentors. You know, Suzanne Zimnick, I think, is one of the best examples of that. She is always encouraging to everyone who crosses her path and in a way that's so positive. And she's someone that I aspire to be like in that way, you know, or even if I'm not formally mentoring people, you know, that I'm just sort of encouraging people everywhere I go because I think it's such a nice thing in the field. And Suzanne Zimnick is really amazing at that. Um, Jan Balmer's like that. Um, Carol Havens is like, there's so many people in our field that really just by how they are, are, are an inspiration. And I think that's, that's amazing. So, you know, I've, I've also learned, I'll tell you one thing that I learned from a mentor that has stayed with me for almost 20 years now. He told me that everything is an interview where it doesn't matter where you are, but if you are in a committee meeting, if you're at a conference, if you're presenting, et cetera, people are watching what you're doing and you can make an impression and and it's a lot of times that leads you in directions that you may not have otherwise anticipated, whether it's an invitation to something else or a new job opening. And, you know, I had that experience once as someone who be, got the job later and once as someone who actually the person uh, who was sitting in one of my sessions later became my staff person. And she knew who I was. I didn't know who she was at the time. But when I went in for my interview, she was said, I saw you do this presentation and I think you're great. <laughs> you know, it's like, God, I could have gone a different way. <laughs> you know? So it's interesting that um, when you have these opportunities, it's all an opportunity. It's all an opportunity to connect and make an impression on people. So I, 
I think that's something that's really cool. Being an Alliance member has its perks. From discounts to industry-leading events like the Alliance Annual Conference, to members-only access to the Alliance Learning Center, the Alliance is where healthcare CE professionals come to learn. Visit acehp.org slash membership to join today. On that note, what advice would you share for women who are coming into the field? You've been new, you've, you've gone through it. What pieces of advice would you share along? What to just ask a lot of questions. Don't be afraid to ask questions. I think it, and I suffer from this myself. I'm like, oh, I don't want to be the one ask, asking the question. Well, you have a question. So nine times out of 10, other people are going to have the questions. And to me, there are no silly questions. Just ask, ask away. I would also say find, like seek out people who are willing to, you know, to, to help you. There are plenty of people who are willing to pick up the phone, send an email when we return to in-person life to take you aside, to take you out for lunch, to, you know, stop you at a conference and say, you look lost. <laughs> How can I help? There are, there are a lot of, uh, a lot of people in our industry who are, 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 willing and available to to help answer any questions that uh, you have. And we've all been new. We all know what it's like to be new. Uh, I still consider myself a newbie after 20 years because there's always something that we don't know. So ask all the questions that you want. That's a good one. I think that for me, I something else a mentor taught me was getting comfortable with the uncomfortable. I think it is really hard to do, but if you can do it, you'll get a lot further, um, because if you're not uncomfortable, you may not be pushing yourself hard enough. So I think it's, you know, get out there, promote yourself, be brave, make mistakes. If you haven't made any mistakes, you're not pushing yourself hard enough into that uncomfortable place. It's really important to learn how to make mistakes because that's how you learn the most. And that's how you'll succeed even more next time. And don't ever not go for something because you don't think you're qualified. You know, if you've got one qualification, get in there. And failure is not fatal. I tell people this all the time. It is not. People fail all the time. We're not actually doing the brain surgery. We may be teaching the brain surgeon, but we're not actually doing the brain surgeon. So you're not going to kill anybody. Yeah. And I think also just to reinforce what Anne was saying, I feel like I've been fortunate to have mentors in my life. I know not everybody has that fortune. Some people have terrible bosses, which can be a very soul-killing experience. You know, some people just don't have that as a ready resource. We're here. Uh, you know, my number's on the site. My Somebody reached out to me this week and asked to set up a conversation. And I love it. So so please do that. I, You know, the Alliance Board is here. Alliance volunteers are here. Um, find a mentor. It really can make a big difference. Well, to close out this uh, inspiring conversation with you both, how would you say again, talking about resource, how would you say the Alliance supports women in continuing professional development, um, share resources or any events, volunteer opportunities that you think young women could take advantage of to grow and enhance their career? Short of everybody giving your email out, Rebecca. <laughs> so what would be another resource people could use? Well, the good news is I'm just one of many women in the world of the Alliance. Uh, we actually have a lot of women in our field, which is great because not, not all professions are like that. And I think 
not only do we have a lot of women and a lot of great people in general, but it's it's just such a good environment to be able to call other people and lean on other people and and to have those conversations. So I would say there are so many ways to do that through the alliance and the community, um, whether it's emailing me or engaging in community sessions or with your sections or um, reaching out to somebody else who is in your section or in your organization. There's so many ways, different ways to do it, but reach out and, and be a part of the community because it's such a great community to be a part of. There are so many calls for, for volunteers. And I think that that's probably the, the easiest way to get started. Throw your, throw your name out there and say, okay, I'm going to step up and, and do that. When there are positions open to run for, run for them. <laughs> I mean, there's the only way to do it is to is to is to do it. Uh, I agree with uh, Rebecca. Volunteer to be on a committee. Get involved with your with your member section. Get involved with another member section. Yeah. it's a it's a good way of 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 learning to know different, different people. I mean, think about where you're currently working and um, if, if partnering is, is something really big into your organization, that's why I would say explore um, as many member sections as, as, uh, as you possibly can, because, you know, you're always learning to, to know different, different people. Right up, right uh, for the Almanac, there are always opportunities to blindly submit content. Uh, we're always looking for great content. Uh, so, you know, I would just say be brave. And if something isn't necessarily available, or if it doesn't exist, be the one to create that. Say, oh, this, we don't have this. I think we need this. I'm willing to step up and volunteer to start that. We love that. Lance we is do. very supportive of that. Thank you, guys. So Rebecca and Anne, thank you so much for joining me in this discussion on the important role of women in the field of continuing professional development. And a big thank you to everyone who tuned into this episode of the Alliance podcast. Thanks. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Alliance podcast, Continuing Conversations. If you enjoyed this episode, remember to rate, review, and subscribe to stay updated on future releases. In the meantime, we invite you to access our wealth of continuing professional development content on the Almanac at almanac.acehp.org. Until next time.